Now, the first couple of Texas radio. Here's Bill and Allison Mencaro. Good morning, Hill Country. It is Bill, and you are? Allison. Allison. Thank you for being with us this morning. Allison's running the board this morning, as usual, and we're happy she is. Well, we're happy you're joining us this morning. It's a, uh, if you haven't checked outside, it's chilly, chilly, chilly. Yes, it is. Our car said it's 28 in Kerrville. Wow. Wow. That's... uh, that's getting uh, getting down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but but some places in the country, they'd be happy if they had, <laughs> had twenty eight plus. <laughs> that's why we like Hill Country. That's one of the many reasons why we like God's country. Uh, is that it just does, you know, if you have ever been through a winter uh, up north, you certainly appreciate Hill Country. I'll tell you that uh, because our our winters get cold. We can get into the teens, uh, but uh, but it usually doesn't stay there. It doesn't stay there normally. And uh, it gets during the day, it's uh, pretty darn nice, even uh, even in the depths of winter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we like to start uh, the Bill and Allison show with a verse, and this is from Ephesians on uh, the Bible, the Book of Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. John Calvin said the only people who believe are those who have been appointed to eternal life. God only grants the gift of faith to those who are predestined to salvation. He chose us, and to those he is, has chosen, he gives the power to believe. There's a lot, lot packed in those verses. I'll tell you what, you could spend a lifetime studying those verses and still not mine the depths of them. Right, Allison. That's right. (laughs) You with me? (laughs) I am. Good, good. The White House just been announced recently. Uh, Actually, they didn't announce it. It's been announced by a uh, um, news source. I believe this is from Breitbart. Um, Something called Data Analytical Services. Of course, they have to have an acronym. It's DAS, D-A-S. Functioning in partnership with AT&T, giving American uh, law enforcement agencies at all levels of government your phone records, who you called, who called you, uh, listening in, um, and, uh, but also extends to your social networks, um, looking at individuals who have not been suspected of any criminal activity at all. about that? That's been going on for over a decade. More than a trillion domestic wow. phone records wow. that they've looked at. Yeah, isn't that something? Uh, it's, it's, of course, it's all been secret. White House never admitted it. Um, but this is unprecedented, unprecedented American history, as far as we know. Of course, they didn't have the technology for it uh, before. But uh, it's not like warrant uh, wiretapping. It requires a warrant based on probable cause. This ins- it relies on AT&T's records. Like the names of callers, the names of people who were called, their phone numbers, the dates, the times, um, what was said. If if they you know they want to check out what you, what you said or what somebody said to you. Uh, interestingly enough, AT and T is not required to store these records for extended periods. Yet it does so. So they're doing this voluntarily. They weren't subpoenaed for records or anything. And the scale of DAS again, it's called the Data Analytical Service 
It's enormous. It crisscrosses the entire United States through AT&T's infrastructure. Um, but it's been under the radar. Minimal public awareness until the Bill and Allison show talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, uh, And also uh, these leaked files um, show a range of officials from postal inspectors to parole officers participating in DAS training sessions. So it's been widespread. It's been adopted widespread across different law enforcement branches. So what we try to do on the Bill and Allison show is tell you things that you probably haven't heard uh, at any other from any other station. But that's because the Hill Country Patriot is your information station, and we dig and we dig and we dig and and uh, we, you know, we get no, we get no sleep. We get no sleep at all. We do not sleep. Uh, we just uh, constantly are working twenty four seven to to uh, to uncover things that as again. Uh, you're not going to hear on any other station. Uh, so we're glad you joined us on the Hill Country Patriot. Uh, and again, we didn't give our trigger warning this morning, Allison. We are we, didn't. we are not politically correct. We're politically are, incorrect. We are proudly politically incorrect, for those of you who are not familiar with our program. But we are most importantly strive to be biblically correct, B.C. That's right. And we are, again, our trigger warning is we are... Non-binary. Non-binary. Which, so. which brings up the latest outrage. Uh, Maine is now, the state of Maine is not mm-hmm. going to allow Ronald Reagan on the ballot. Well, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't Cook County in Illinois where you vote for dead people. Or dead people vote, Donald, actually. Donald, Donald Trump. Okay. Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell yeah. you in, You're in, on top of the news. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you in a minute why, why I said that. All right. <laughs> you are on top of the news, yes. Uh, the state of Maine. And that was interesting. Now, that story, uh, the Maine Secretary of State, who is not a lawyer, just arbitrarily made the decision that he would not be on the ballot. So she, she can just decide. And she's a hardcore Democrat. Her social mm-hmm. media uh, is full of tributes to Joe Biden. And uh, so, you know. Yeah, I can decide who's gonna who you get to vote for, and she's such a such a hypocrite because uh, on her social media, uh, she has put up things like, uh, "Oh, we have to preserve democracy and and give everybody the you know the opportunity to vote and all this," except for you know somebody shows in like. So this was not a court decision. This was mm-hmm. not voted by the uh, representatives, the state representatives in uh, in Maine, in the state of Maine. It's just an arbitrary decision by one official who's not even a lawyer. Uh, saying, uh, well, I don't like Donald Trump, so he's not gonna, we're not going to let people mm-hmm. vote for him or against him, for that matter. So, so the people who are against Donald Trump should be upset, too, because they don't get a chance to vote against him. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, this is like a banana republic. Oh, I was just going to say, a lot of people are saying that this we are becoming a banana republic, deciding yeah. who, who can be on the ballot or, yeah. or not. And, uh, and we don't even grow bananas. That's the bad. At least in the Banana That's Republic, true. you can get bananas. That's true. That's <laughs> so, a very good point. Yeah, I thought, so. I thought so. Well, this is an anniversary. Uh, December 29th, 1845. The United States Congress. Well, let's, uh, you know, I, should, I have one more thing to say about that ballot thing and getting Trump off the ballot. I cannot believe that's going to stand up in the U.S. Oh, Supreme no. Court. I really can't. I mean, if it is, the country is down the drain. If some individual can decide who's going to be on the ballot uh, we're done i mean this is right. this is this is uh you know going the way of these again the banana republics the places where you know they come in and you know kill all the supreme court justices and put their own people in and all that anyway on december 29th 1845 
The United States Congress voted. See, they didn't have back then, they didn't have one official deciding these things. The United States Congress voted to bring in Texas as a state. And as I think every one of our listeners probably know, up until then, Texas was an independent country. Which brings up another point, doesn't it? Which point? The, which point, the point being that uh, what Doug Ginsburg asked me a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that's right. We were talking about this, and he said, uh, do you know what other state was an independent country? I do. Well, you do now, <laughs> now that Doug told us. And I, I guessed California, mm-hmm. which would be the obvious choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, uh, but he said Vermont, right? Mm-hmm. Vermont. I haven't looked into that. I'm sure he's right. I mean, he is a federal judge. You don't know what he's talking about. But uh, I, I didn't know that. But I told him something he didn't know. He was a law professor. I and a law knows. professor at, <laughs> at uh, yeah, he's a law professor, at, uh, so he, sh- he should know these things. But I told him something he didn't know, and that is that uh, about Franklin, Tennessee, and the Republic of Franklin. Mm-hmm. And that's something to Google. Never really got off the ground, but it, uh, for a short time, I guess there was a Republic of Franklin until the United States said... I don't think so. (laughs) Anyway, many people in Washington didn't want to bring Texas into the Union. Uh, They were were afraid. Do you know why, Allison? No. Are you listening? (laughs) Are you playing Candy Crush on their phone? Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, No, they were afraid of war would mean war with Mexico. Oh. Yeah. See, Texas, Mexico wanted to get Texas back. And annex, and when it, when it was a republic, and uh, so annexing Texas could come across as a declaration of war against Mexico. So that's what they were afraid of. Now the president of Texas, I think I'll run for president of Texas. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't have any competition, as far as I've heard. Well, the president of Texas, the president of Republic of Texas, Anson Jones, he had called the Texas Congress into session on June 16, 1845 and a convention of elected delegates met on the 4th of July. So both the Texas Congress and the convention voted for annexation, and a constitution was drawn up. And this is interesting. They had a popular vote in, in the Republic of Texas in October of 1845 as to whether Texas should join the Union. The vote count was 4,500. This shows how many few people, how few voters there were. The vote count was 4,554 in favor of joining the Union, 267 against. Uh, interestingly enough, and I was looking at the, at the breakdown of the vote by county uh, in 1845, 49% of the vote opposing Texas joining the United States came from Galveston. Hmm. And I dug around and dug around trying to find out why that was, and I haven't been able to find it yet. So maybe one of our listeners, history buff, would know uh, what what the story was there. Why Galveston would be uh, would represent basically half of the vote opposing Texas joining the Union. And uh, but obviously, you know, there's there was a not everybody in Texas. One of the most vocal opponents of the Texas joining the Union was President Lamar Mirabeau Lamar who was elected president of Texas in 1838. At his inauguration address, he said, quote, I cannot regard the annexation of Texas to the American Union in any other light than as the grave of all of her hopes of happiness and greatness, and if contrary to the present aspect of affairs, the amalgamation shall hereafter take place, I shall feel that the blood of our martyred heroes 
had been shed in vain. Unquote. Hmm. President, uh, President Mirabeau Lamar. Um, see, the annexation of Texas was a direct cause of the Mexican-American War. It contributed to the sectional divide over slavery that led to the Civil War, you know, 15 years later. So, I don't know. Given the way the United States is under Biden is going today, maybe President Lamar was right after all. <laughs> you know? By the way, did you... Uh, well, there is talk of secession. There is talk of... There, there is... Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Did you know that uh, the... I don't remember the name of the group, because I never heard of them before, but uh, there's a group that says that they have way more signatures than they need to get a resolution on the Republican ballot uh, in the next election. And the question is, essentially, do you favor uh, the United, uh, Texas? Uh, I don't know exactly the wording. I'm just off the top of my head now. But uh, seceding or you know, looking at seceding from the United States. So that may very well be on the Republican ballot next time you go to vote. Uh, so think about that. Uh, one one question, though, that I have, and haven't been able to find an answer to it, Allison. Uh, what if Texas did secede? What would happen to people's Social Security and yeah. veterans' benefits, M- Medicare, and Medicare? That's yeah, that's a about. very good question. You know, whenever the government gives you a dollar, there's strings attached, and what you know, what would happen? Would they hold that over your head? Would that be the mm-hmm. the uh, cudgel? Would they say, well, if you vote for secession, you're going to lose your Social Security, veterans' benefits, Medicare, and you know mm-hmm. other federal programs, federal student loans. Uh, you know, because you don't pay them back anyway. But who cares? But uh, no, it it, it um, that, that's a well, that's that's an issue. Social Security is something that you earned. I mean, you you, you paid into. Yeah. Well, you're going to sue the United States if they don't give it to you. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, did you like my impression of President uh, uh, Lamar? Yes, I, much. I've been complimented. It sounded just like him. I thought so, too. I've been complimented on that. <laughs> just like him. But that is one issue of secession, is right. what, what happens to all of the right. federal monies. That's one reason, you know, most conservatives like um, the voucher system of education, where the government gives a family money to send their children to a private school or or you know, Christian school, whatever, uh, rather than the, the public government schools. But my problem with that is that that's going to get private schools, Christian schools, et cetera, dependent on taxpayers' money. And once you're in a position to be dependent on taxpayers' money, they can dictate what you teach. Okay? And that's happened in Europe. The, the so-called Christian schools in Europe are, are completely as far as I under, I've been told and, and read, they're pretty much gone as far as left-wing woke stuff because mm-hmm. the government subsidizes them. Mm-hmm. So voucher system is a, is a subsidy, and uh, you know free market uh, people should not be in favor of subsidies from the government. All right? Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, on a lighter note, you know, this being almost New Year's Eve... This is where, what, two days away? Or mm-hmm. is it tomorrow's New Year's Eve? Mm-hmm. I believe so. Oftentimes, New Year's Eve, people make predictions. And uh, we have a little trivia game here that I'm going to play with Bill. Oh, she's springing this on me. I do, I, <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I don't know what's coming up. And I'm going to give you a prediction. 
that <laughs> turned out to be very wrong. You have to figure out who, what the subject of the prediction is. Okay, are you ready? I don't even understand that, but go ahead. Okay, I'm going to tell you tell you a, an actual prediction that was okay. made. All right. And I'll tell you um, when it was made, all that sort of thing. Okay. Okay. Um, we don't like their sound, and guitar music is on the way out. This is what De- Decca Recording Company said in 1962. I, okay, 62 pegged it to me. That's got to be the Beatles they're talking about. That's correct. You are All correct. right, I got you it. You are correct, sir. Oh, probably. Okay, let's stop now since we've got 100%. <laughs> he doesn't have that presidential look, said United Artists executive, rejecting an actor as the lead in the 1964 film The Best Man. Uh, Ronald Reagan. Um, That's why I said Ronald Reagan because it's right in front. Of, it's on the paper oh, okay. in front of me. A few minutes ago. Well, Ronald Reagan. Um, there was a very famous uh, director. I don't, you know, I can't remember his name. Otto Preminger, let's say, or whatever. Who, uh, when Ronald Reagan was talking about running for governor in California, uh, he said, "No, no, no, no." He said, "Cary Grant for governor. Ronald Reagan as best friend." <laughs> That's good. He's talking about casting a movie, of course. That's right. That's yeah. right. Okay, here, here, here's another one. Okay. Uh, an, an NFL scout evaluating a combine performance in 2000. A what performance? I don't know. Well, let's just say a performance because I don't know what that A means. musical performance? No, an NFL scout. Oh, okay. All he right. was evaluating a performance in 2000, and what he said about this player was... Poor build, skinny, lacks great physical stature and strength, and gets knocked down easily. What year? Uh, 2000. And this is football? <laughs> yes. 2000. NFL. 2000. Um, OJ? Tom Brady. Oh. Okay, next one. There's no chance that the blank is going to get any significant market share, said Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer in 2007. There's no chance that the blank is going to get any significant market share. Uh, iPhone? The iPhone. I got it! You got it. Whoa. Okay, this one I'm sure you'll get. Okay, this prediction was made in 1900 by futurist John Elrith Watkins. In 1900, and he was referring to what was going to happen in the year 2000. They will be abandoned because unnecessary. Spelling by sound will have been adopted, first by the newspapers. English will be a language of condensed words expressing condensed ideas and will be more extensively spoken than any other. And what am I supposed to guess? What he's talking about? What will be abandoned because unnecessary. English. No. You said I'd be sure to get it, and I don't even okay. understand the they question. will be abandoned because unnecessary. And No, he's saying English will be the, the most extensively spoken language. Oh. But he says they will be abandoned because unnecessary. I have no idea. I don't even uh, understand the question. Okay. Okay. He made this prediction in 1900, and, oh. and he said this would happen... In the year 2000. Okay. They will be abandoned. Because unnecessary. Yeah. I have no idea. The, the letters C 
X and Q. <laughs> <laughs> I guess because I don't think like an idiot, and maybe that's, <laughs> that's the reason I didn't get, at least most of the time, I try not to think like an idiot, but you never know. You never know. We've got a lot coming up on the show today. We've got uh, events coming up a little later to tell you about what's going on in Hill Country this weekend, so you'll be able to participate in lots of fun activities. That's going to be coming up a little later in the Bill and Allison show. Right now we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back before you know it, so stay with us. Texas, our Texas, all hail the mighty state. Texas, oh Texas, you're wonderful and great. Boldest and grandest, withstanding every test. Oh, empire wide and glorious, you stand supremely blessed. Texas, oh Texas, your freeborn single star sends out its radiance to nations near and far. Emblem of freedom, it sets our hearts aglow. With thoughts of San Jacinto and glorious Alamo God bless you Texas and keep you brave and strong That you may grow in power and work throughout the ages long God bless you Texas and keep you brave and strong That you may grow in power and work throughout the ages long Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison. Bill and Allison Mencaro on the Hill Country Patriot, your um, information station. It's almost the new year. Almost New Year's. Almost New Year's. That's right. Tomorrow's New Year's Eve. Mm hmm. And it is also almost 2024. Mm-hmm. According to the old Farmer's Almanac, which has been printed since 1792. And uh, they've been doing weather forecasts uh, uh, for a long time as well, uh, for many, many decades. Their accuracy rate is 80%, and they predict over a year in advance. And they don't let anybody know how they do it. But uh, what they're saying for January, okay, uh, temperature is going to be two degrees below and for our area now it's not just kerrville they take in uh, basically uh, the southern part of uh, they're talking about the southern part of texas they say that uh, the temperature will be two degrees below normal and that would be all of hill country that would be all of hill country and our precipitation will be four inches um, which they say is one and a half inches above average for the month of january and we certainly have been catching up on our on our precipitation lately, haven't we, Allison? Yes, we have. Yeah, yeah. And they say that uh, January uh, 1 to 4, we can see rain for, for hill country and cold. Okay, well, certainly saw the cold this morning, or are seeing it this morning. Uh, but that's what, uh, you can believe it or believe it or don't believe it. But uh, that's what the old Farmer's Almanac has to say about that. So do you have any exciting plans for New Year's Eve? Well, uh, I know you're setting me up. (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, When I was, I don't know, probably mid-20s, which would be, what, a couple, three years ago, uh, 
I was driving, and I was by myself. It was early New Year's Eve. I don't remember exactly the time, probably eight-ish. And uh, I was on a residential street and going at, you know, 25, something like that, miles an hour, but pretty slow. And no other cars, and all of a sudden other cars coming toward me, and they just swerved into my lane, and an oncoming head-on collision was about to occur. And, you know, you put, think about that. What do you do? I mean, this, everything was in slow motion, okay, which people say things like that oftentimes you think, think in slow motion. Everything seemed to be in slow motion, and I'm thinking, well, what do I do here? I can't go to the right. There was no opportunity to turn to the right. I don't remember there's some obstruction there or something. So I could either stay in my lane and hope this other car gets back into his proper lane, or I could go into the opposite lane to get out of his way. Which, you know, at first I thought that's what I ought to do, get out, get out of his way. But then if he, at the last minute, or she, swerved into their proper lane and hit me head on, then I would appear to be at fault. So I, all this, you know, instantly in my mind as this car's coming for me. So I decided to stay in my lane and just, you know, if, if this person hit me, at least it wouldn't be my fault. And, uh, but fortunately, the Lord was watching out for me, and uh, the, the, uh, the other car swerved out of the way at the last minute. And the reason I go into that is because Allison asked me what I'm doing New Year's Eve, and you know the answer <laughs> to that question. I ain't doing nothing. I'm sitting home and uh, not, not going out on the roads at all. No way, no how. Now, Allison and I have been out on New Year's Eve, but it's been uh, uh, places that we can you know, stay overnight and mm-hmm. not, not have to drive in a hotel or a friend's house or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, maybe your wife will fix you a nice dinner. Well, I'll have to talk to her about that. Okay. What did you, what did you have in your family on New Year's Eve? Toppin' Jack? Toppin' John. That, that, that's a New Year's Day tradition. Oh, okay. And what is that? I see. I think didn't it's have black, that. Black, black Eyed Peas. Is that like a Southern thing? I, get, I think so. Oh, okay. We didn't have, because your mother was from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we didn't have that growing up. And we also, our family tradition, which I introduced Bill to, is on Christmas Day we would eat lox and bagels. Yeah, which I never had lox and bagels growing up, but that's pretty cool. Uh, let's see, what have I got here? Well, it's a it's a birthday. That's what it is. Um, that's the uh, it's a birthday of a musician, and of course, a lot of musicians are born every day. And uh, so why, you know, why pick this particular one? Well, uh, I had the opportunity to, uh, I have a very fond memory of this particular musician. Uh, His name is Clyde McCoy. And uh, Clyde McCoy played in the town I grew up in. I was born in Dalhart, Texas, but I grew up mostly in Moline, Illinois. And he played uh, at a supper club. Do they still have supper clubs, Allison? Not around here. Yeah. He played at a supper club, which was uh, in Moline, called Mirando's. And uh, I was about 13, 14, that range, 15. And my parents took me to the supper club to hear Clyde McCoy and to dance. And I danced with my mom. <laughs> and Clyde McCoy, we, we were pretty close to the band, very right up to the bandstand. And, 
And I remember Clyde McCoy winking at me while I was dancing with my mom. And that's a stupid little nobody would care except, except me, but it's a very fond memory of Clyde McCoy. Now, most musicians know about the Dunlop Clyde McCoy crybaby or wah device. Wah, wah, wah makes that sound. And that was uh, one of Clyde McCoy's uh, personal trademarks. Uh, he played the trumpet. And uh, as you'll hear in a moment, you this wah, wah. Uh, and a lot of musicians own one, and uh, it's also developed for the guitar. Uh, but few musicians actually knew, know who Clyde McCoy was. Now, he was born this week in 1903. As I said, he was a jazz trumpeter. Uh, he was popular for seven decades. Uh, he's best remembered for his theme song, Sugar Blues. And also, he was a founder of Downbeat Magazine, which if you're, if you're any kind of a jazz fan, you know what Downbeat is. Uh, Sugar Blues hit number one in 1931 and again in 1935. It was covered by Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys, covered by Fats Waller, covered by Ella Fitzgerald, among other people. Sugar Blues sold in excess of 14 million copies internationally by the time of, of Clyde's retirement in 1985. The thing about Clyde McCoy, he never had any instruction on the trumpet. He was entirely self-taught. So here is Clyde McCoy and Sugar Blues with his famous wah-wah sound. Again, that's Clyde McCoy and Sugar Blues, which uh, has been covered by, as I mentioned, Bob Wills, Fats Waller, Ella Fitzgerald, among other people. Clyde McCoy. Clyde McCoy's birthday this week. Happy birthday to the late Clyde McCoy. He can hear us in heaven, though, I'm sure. What you got, Alison? Well, this is a Texas story. The entire state. Uh, Washington, D.C. is warning Greg Abbott that it will sue if Texas moves forward with legislation empowering state officials to remove people from the U.S. who they suspect of being in the country illegally. Well, we're doing that because because the, the feds aren't doing their part. Exactly right. Um, this is new legislation, which uh, Governor Abbott just signed into law um, earlier this month. Um, they claim it's unconstitutional and it will dis- disrupt the federal government's immigration enforcement operation. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Uh-huh. That's that's what they're they're telling to Governor Abbott, um, and and they say uh, that if Abbott does not conform, uh, does not confirm that the state will forego enforcement of the law by January three. The United States will pursue all appropriate legal remedies to ensure that Texas does not interfere with the functions of the federal government. Well, we're interfering because they're not doing their job. I'll say it again. Yeah, and what what these socialists and communists that run the federal government don't understand is that the 
United States was set up as a group of states that retain power, and the only power the federal government has is what the states voluntarily by the Constitution, by signing the Constitution, agreeing to the Constitution, would give the federal government. It's not the other way around. Power mm-hmm. is not derived from the federal government to the states. It's the other way around. So the state certainly has the right to do whatever it wants to do uh, as long as it doesn't you know, obviously violate the rights of other states and the, uh, certain federal laws and things like that. But the, the locus of power is the states giving the federal government power, not the, mm-hmm. the other way around. Yeah, and this and this Texas law, which is set to take effect in March, it would allow any law enforcement officer in Texas to arrest migrants accused of unlawfully entering the state from Mexico, mm-hmm. and it empowers judges to order their removal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know, it's about time. And that doesn't take effect, though, for a couple of years is the problem on that. No, it takes effect in March. Oh, it does? Yeah, oh, yeah this well, March. What do you know? Okay, I was... I was wrong. I haven't been wrong. I, the last time I was wrong was 1987, and I found out later that I wasn't wrong. I was wrong. Well, the, the, well is there more uh, of that story? Yeah, yeah. the Mexican government, which would have to accept immigrants ordered uh, removed by state officials, has also said it will not go along with the law and has threatened to take action to stop it as well. What kind a of foreign, action? A foreign country. Well, action meaning what? Mexico going to declare war in the United States? Oh, no, Texas, just Texas. Or just Texas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, bring it on. Yeah. Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there more on that? Well, I was going to say, the, the DOJ says, the Department of Justice, says that the U.S. Constitution um, tasks or gives the, gives the job um, to the federal government of regulating immigration and controlling the international borders. The Texas law, Department of Justice says, therefore intrudes into a field that is occupied by the federal government and is preempted. But the federal government is not doing They're not doing that. The job. They're not doing their job. So there has to be some remedy. Exactly. And the exactly. city of Texas has decided that's the remedy. Well, sort of segueing on that, on that story, the IRS has spent $10 million on firearms, ammunition, and, quote, military-style gear since 2020, according to the New York Post. And according to actually, according Open the Books uh, report, Open the Books is a great organization, by the way. They they dig into what the government is doing with our tax money, and uh, they they found this out. Um, so they've been uh, the agent. IRS has spent a total of thirty five point two million or more, because they couldn't find all of it, on guns, ammunition, and gear since two thousand six. So that's kind of scary. And there are 87,000, Biden has uh, pushed through 87,000 new IRS agents. Yeah, so the question is, what's the IRS going to do with mm-hmm. all that ammunition? Well, an IR, there's an IRS job listing for criminal investigation special agents. says that applicants, quote, must carry a firearm and be willing to use deadly force in order to enforce the tax laws. How about wow. that? Wow. That's public. I mean, they published yeah. that. Yeah. So uh, they're, the IRS is hiring, hiring armed agents to fill vacancies in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. Again, with your 87,000 new IRS agents. Democrats voted against new border agents, but they voted for new IRS agents. That tells you all you need to know. We're Bill and Allison and Carol. We're happy to be here on the Hill Country Patriot, your information station, and we'll be right back.
Another day, another dollar Another footprint on my soul If I find another I will surely be at home Was I really leaving Or was I searching for that peace of mind When I found I had Texas on my mind Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison Mencara. First couple of Texas Radio. And we're also uh, online. First couple of Texas Radio.com. That's right. First couple of Texas Radio.com, where you can hear our past shows and mm-hmm. download them to your favorite digital device and take them with you and and uh, hopefully enjoy them. We uh, we have fun making them. We work uh, we work hard to dig up information that you won't hear anywhere else but on the hill country patriot uh, all of our all of our hosts on the hill country patriot uh, do the same thing we we all look for things that are flying under the radar and that's why you, it's your information station so that's uh, you're, you won't get this information anywhere else well you know i mentioned that uh, democrats voted against hiring new border agents but they voted in a in a block in congress for hiring 87,000 new IRS agents, many of whom are, are as I mentioned a moment ago, are, will be armed and, uh, as the job application states, be prepared to use deadly force to enforce uh, the law. How about that? Well, as I said, Democrats voted uh, in, in a block for the new IRS agents, but against hiring, uh, also against uh, hiring uh uh, appropriating money to have at least one police officer in every public school, every government school in America. Democrats voted in a block against that in Congress. Well, also, over a third of Democrats polled by Rasmussen Reports, a very reliable poll, by the way, it's pretty, um, as polls go, over one third of Democrats disagree with laws protecting children from sex change surgery. Uh, the survey asked respondents if they approve or disapprove the legislation making it legal to perform, illegal to perform sex change surgeries on minors. Okay. Uh, overall, 62% at least somewhat approve of those laws, and of those, 46% strongly approve. Another 30% at least somewhat disapprove of laws protecting children from sex change surgery. Somewhat disapprove, but that figure is even higher among self-professed Democrats. Thirty-five percent, at least, somewhat disapprove of laws preventing children from mutilating their bodies in the name of gender affirmation, and of those, twenty percent strongly disapprove of, of any laws against it. Uh, now, that's not the case among Republicans and Independents. A majority in both of those groups approve of laws preventing uh, kids from mutilate, getting themselves mutilated, uh, but uh, not uh, not a third of Democrats, self-professed Democrats. Um, Similarly, 35% of Democrats disagree with legislation barring health care providers <clears throat> from conducting hormone experiments on these gender-confused children. 
Again, 35% of Democrats don't want laws that would keep health care providers from conducting hormone experiments on kids with gender dysphoria. Now, 41% of Democrats said that schools and teachers should be, quote, allowed to counsel students on their sexual and gender identities without parental knowledge or consent. Okay. 30, 41%, show that to me again, I didn't see it. Oh, no, n- never mind. of Democrats said that schools and teachers should be allowed to counsel students on sexual and gender identities without parental knowledge or consent. And uh, finally, 23% of all U.S. adults at least somewhat disagree with the statement that there are only two genders. A a fourth, in other words, a fourth, basically a fourth of U.S. adults polled by Rasmussen at least somewhat disagree with the statement that there are only two genders, male and female. In other words, and if you ask them, are you a Christian? A lot of them would say, oh, well, yes, of course I'm a Christian. Well, what does the Bible say? God made them male and female, okay? Uh, and 10% of U.S. adults strongly disagree with that God made them male and female. Uh, there, there was a consensus among Republicans and Democrats and independents that there are only two genders. 31% of Democrats, about a third, still disagree with the statement that there are only two genders. And 26% of independents disagree that there are only two genders. 10% of Republicans disagree that there are only two genders. So there you go. There you go. We've got, uh, I think this would be, uh, let me see where we are. i got to do a little behind-the-scenes stuff. We've got uh, three minutes to go. I think we can, uh, we can fit this in, Allison. This is a, a woman, uh, all, all we know about her is she calls herself What's-Her-Face, but she's very bright, and I think, Allison, I think she is very right on about a lot of things. So here's, here's What's-Her-Face and some fun facts. Hello, and welcome to Fun Facts with What's-Her-Face. Today we're going to be discussing my top five favorite conspiracy theories that turned out to be conspiracy fun facts. Number five. The U.S. government poisoned alcohol during the 1920s Prohibition. Prohibition was introduced in the 1920s to control the U.S.'s alcohol consumption, but it only resulted in its widespread illegal production and distribution. So the government took more drastic measures. They decided to poison the country's illegal alcohol supply by adding toxins, including highly toxic methanol. In total, an estimated 10,000 people died as a result. Number four. The U.S. government used dead babies and children for nuclear testing without their parents' permission. In 1956, the world woke up to the horrific details of government-backed body snatching. Project Sunshine was a series of research studies conducted on dead children and babies to ascertain the impact of radioactive fallout on the world's population. The studies were conducted without parental consent, and the secret study was only exposed after a woman by the name of Jean Pritchard revealed that she wasn't able to dress her stillborn daughter's body for her own funeral because the doctors had removed her legs and shipped them off for experimentation. Wow, Jean, thank you for your contribution to science. Number three, the CIA developed a heart attack gun. In 1975, the CIA created a secret weapon that could cause fatal heart attacks. It worked by shooting a small poison dart that could penetrate clothing and left nothing behind but a tiny red dot. The dart disintegrated on impact and the poison dissolved quickly so it couldn't be detected in an autopsy. Could I get one of those for my mother-in-law? (laughs) Ha 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 ha! 
Number two, contaminated polio vaccines spread a cancer-causing virus. In 1960, it was discovered that the diseased monkey kidney cells used to make polio vaccines were contaminated with SV40, a virus that causes cancer in humans. Nearly 100 million American children were given this vaccine between 1955 and 1963, and scientists around the world continue to identify SV40 DNA in human lung, bone, and brain cancers. And last but not least, number one. A pharmaceutical company by the name of Bayer knowingly infected thousands of people from Asia and Latin America with HIV. In the mid-1980s, Cutter Biological, a division of the pharmaceutical company Bayer, knowingly sold millions of dollars worth of blood clotting medication with a high risk of HIV contamination to hemophiliacs in Asia and Latin America. Even though the company was aware of the HIV risk and had created a safer heat-treated version of the drug by 1984, they continued to sell the products abroad for over a year to avoid being stuck with stocks of a product that they couldn't sell. In other words, they infected thousands of people so that they could save a few bucks. Scientists are smart and business savvy. Well, that was some some scary things. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that's that's a woman called What's Her Face. That's all we know about her, and uh, we just uh, stumbled across her uh, fairly recently, and uh, she's got a lot a lot of very interesting things to say. And she's a very bright lady. She's done a lot of research. Well, and, and this was this picture was posted on on TikTok, uh, and the person said, "Today I learned." that Germany has programs for schoolgirls to get to know each other with 30-year-old migrants. And there are photos of these blonde, white German girls with 30-year-old migrants. What, what are they thinking? I know, I know. I mean, is this, I, I just, you know, you look at that and you yeah, say... The, the get to know. There's a group of maybe 20, you know, girls, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and these aren't even um, migrants their age. They're they're thirty year old men. Well, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Going to happen? Yeah, who's and yeah. Yeah, I mean that's just evil. Oh, that's it is. Evil. It is. You know, the more more I live, the more I realize uh, the the profound truth of of the uh, uh, quote from Ephesians: "We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principally all these powers, evil in high places." And boy, isn't that the case? Well, we're coming up on a hard break. We've got the news coming up on the Bill and Allison Show. When we come back, it'll be what's going on in Hill Country that you can attend with you and your family. So don't miss that. We'll be right back. Now, the first couple of Texas radio. Here's Bill and Allison Mencaro. Well, we're Allison and Bill. That's fine with me. We often are. It's often the Allison show with an occasional comment by Bill. That happens. And we're on Hill Country Patriot. And you can find our past shows online anytime. First couple of Texas radio. Bill commented, was talking about the Museum of Western Art. Um, A couple things about that. The uh, director who we um, had on the show a couple weeks ago, um, Daryl Meacham uh, was in San Antonio very recently, er, earlier this month, and he um, addressed a uh, meeting of uh, federal judges to talk about the museum. Yes, he was invited to uh, come to San Antonio. They were at La Cantera having their meeting. It's uh, a, a group of federal judges uh, associated also under the auspices of George Mason University in uh, Virginia, 
Virginia, uh, Washington suburbs, mm-hmm. uh, the law school there, the Scalia Law School. Right. And uh, he was invited to come. We we were also invited, so we mm-hmm. went. And mm-hmm. it was spectacular to meet Daryl and uh, then uh, have him on our program as well. And 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 he said during his talk, he, at the beginning of his talk, he said, he said, I'm scared to death to be talking to a group of federal judges. <laughs> oh, he was he was being very modest, uh, but he had a lot to say and a lot of. As a Daryl, a fascinating guy, and he got a lot of stories. He he uh, used to run the uh, Russell Museum in Montana, uh, Western Art Museum up there, and uh, he's uh, I believe he ran the one in Dallas. I, might, I may be wrong. Um, the name I can never remember, but uh, so he's uh, very experienced, and uh, we're just fortunate to have him uh, running the uh, Museum of Western Art in Kerrville. Absolutely. Well, another reason I brought that up, um, Bill and I have been lightly playing a game called Kerrvilleopoly. Yeah. It's it's like Monopoly. Um, you can pick it up at, um, we, we, um, it's at, at Walgreens. Walgreens, at uh, Gibson's, and probably other places as well. But it's uh, it's fun. It's it's local stuff. You know, you can buy Shriner Park, and you can uh, well, and you can uh, buy you can buy the uh, um, the museum. Oh, you can buy the Museum of Western Art, and uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's it's Monopoly, but it's it's local stuff for Kerrville, and I think some of the other towns. I think Fredericksburg has a Fredericksburgopoly, and uh, there might be. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a Johnson City one, but uh, there is a San Antonio one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were very smart. Uh, the What's that? Not Hasbro, but whoever, who, who's Monopoly? What's the company? It is Hasbro. It, oh, is the, it Hasbro? The, ori- the original Monopoly. Okay. Yeah, but they're very smart to, to do these town monopolies, and uh, people people like to play with uh, and uh, recognize the properties. Because, you know, with the regular monopoly, I don't know where Ventnor Avenue is or, mm-hmm. you know, never heard of it. But, uh, yeah, I know where Sidney Baker Street is or... Or uh, two ninety out of Fredericksburg or something like that. Well, what I thought was funny was the uh, San Antonio one is made by and sanctioned by Hasbro, mm-hmm. um, whereas the Kerrvilleopoly ha- makes no reference to uh, Hasbro. Hmm. I, I don't. Well, well. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know either. Uh, you want to go to to uh, that, Allison? Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I ran across a great meme. If you wanted to destroy a country. You would open its borders, destroy its energy, and devalue its currency with inflation. In other words, the Biden agenda. Oh, yeah. And here's Paul Harvey on, on that subject. If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. But I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The... So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in 
how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Isn't that the truth? That was Paul Harvey in, uh, believe it or not, 1965. Almost, oh. what is that, 60 years ago? And uh, he, he, he saw ahead what was happening in the United States and around the world, for that matter. Paul Harvey. Well, and talk about something that's sad for the United States. Um, U.S. Steel is turning Japanese in a $14.1 billion deal. Japanese? Japanese. U.S. Steel, which was once the world's largest company and a symbol of U.S. manufacturing, um, manufacturing might that counts J.P. Morgan and Andrew Carnegie among its founders, has agreed to be bought by Japan's Nippon Steel. No kidding. The, the end... The deal ends months of speculation over the 122-year-old steel company's fate after it rebuffed a $7.3 billion offer from domestic rival Cleveland Cliffs. Uh, assuming regulators and U.S. Steel's shareholders sign off on the purchase, it would make Nippon the second-largest steel company globally and give it major presence in the U.S. market, which uses a lot of steel, especially to make cars. Wow. Isn't wow. that sad? It's very sad, and it's, uh, what a, I, I can't but think about uh, World War II, you know, when we were fighting Japan. Would, mm -hmm. would they ever, you know, would, would the members of the greatest generation have ever looked forward and said, you know, there'll be a time when U.S. Steel is owned by Japan? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and there's a lot of, a lot of hatred uh, against the Japanese for many years after the war. Oh, there was, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was. No. Wow. wow. Well, okay. Well, how about 
turn to a lighter note. We can't forget that it's the end of the year coming up soon. That means it's an important time to give to charities for a tax deduction. One of our favorite charities is Echo Hill Gold Star Camp in the heart of Hill Country. We have with us Camp Director Marcy Friedman. Marcy, tell us what the camp is all about. Hi, Allison. Thank you so much. The camp is for children who have lost a parent in service to the country. So it could be a child of a military person, a fallen firefighter, a fallen police officer. And they get to come and experience a traditional uh, hill country summer camp, sleepaway camp, horseback riding, swimming in the creek and, and everything. And make friends and know that your friends are walking on a similar path as you. You're not going to be the only one that's lost a parent. And how, how is the camp paid for? Well, we have to uh, raise funds uh, for it each summer. And uh, we had some uh, initial uh, kickoff events in December, believe it or not, for summer 2024. starts ticking off now. And right now we have 40 children who are registered. And now we want to be sure that we have the funds to, uh, to ensure each one of them can have a camp summer. So uh, 2650 $2,650, covers all the costs for one child for a 10-day camp session. Food, equipment, um, gear, all the activity costs. Well, we have no paid staff. Everybody is a volunteer, including myself. That's that. That's really wonderful to hear, um, because the, these kids probably wouldn't be able to go to camp um, otherwise. That's exactly right. That's exactly right, and especially the children of uh, fallen first responders. Exactly. It's very difficult to get that that kind of funding. Exactly, and camp, camps are not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how many, how many t- total kids are you expecting? Do you have any idea? Yes, last we have two 10-day sessions, and last year we had 50 children per session. So that was around 100 children uh, as a total. And about uh, 85% of the children are from Texas, and the other percentage comes from 16 different states. So we don't want someone to be excluded uh, just because they're, they're not in Texas. So we do include that, and we need to cover those travel costs. We also had about uh, 15% of the children that wanted to stay both sessions that stayed uh, 20 days and the intercession in between. That's great. We also have a high number of children that come back summer after summer, which is what we want. But we also want new people, new families uh, to reach out to us and become a part of the Echo Hill family. So we're looking for folks that may know children to refer or to volunteer. Or as you said, Allison, the end of the year donations, it makes such a huge difference. And I know I mentioned the tuition the twenty six fifty, but really any amount, any amount that you want to send would be just wonderful. Uh, everything is helpful, and uh, you know, if you want to sponsor a child or a family that sends two or three children, just let us know. And you are a five hundred one c three charity, is yes. that correct? Yes, that's great. yes, that's great. So, so um, folks, your your contribution is tax deductible. So. We'll even get a letter out to you confirming that. Great. And, uh, Marcy, how can people um, reach you to uh, send in their contributions? If you would like to do it on the computer, uh, we have our website, echohill.org. If you'd like to do it on the computer, it's echohill.org. If you prefer to mail a check, which many of our uh, sponsors and donors do, you can make the check out to Gold Star Camp and send it to Gold Star Camp at 965 Echo Hill Road. 965 Echo Hill Road, Medina, Texas, 78055. And that, that information is also on the website, the mailing address and how to send the check. Great. And again, that's Echo Hill, 
ecohill.org. E-C-H-O, echohill.org. Thank you. And anybody that wants to contact us, uh, please feel free to do so. Uh, and like I said, you can do it through the website. And we look forward to hearing from you and maybe your ideas for the summer. Great. Summer's great. right around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank, thank you so much, Allison. Thank you, Marcy. Yeah, it was uh, Marcy Friedman, director. She's a certified uh, camp director. Mm-hmm and uh, certified by the American Camping Association. That's the highest certification you can get. So it's very professional. Echo Hill Gold Star Camps are very professionally run. Yeah, they go through rigorous testing to uh, to reach to have those degrees. It's, mm-hmm. it's not just, you know, you and I have an, you know, inviting a bunch of kids over to our backyard. Yeah. Exactly. Um, they're they are trained. Yeah, trained and they're, uh, the uh, volunteers are mostly uh, active duty and retired military. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been, Alice and I have been out to the, the camp uh, numerous times. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's not too far out of uh, Kerrville, mm-hmm. uh, down 16. And uh, anybody who wants to go to echohill.org and get in touch with Marcy personally, you can do that. And uh, she'll invite you out to the camp and, and see the thing. And uh, you might even meet the Gandhi-like figure. Kinky Friedman. Kinky Friedman himself, who is Marcy's brother. And uh, he, he lives at... Uh, Lives where the camp is as well. There's his houses there. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Mar- Marcy and Kinky both have houses there. So yeah, so that's echohill.org, and we, mm-hmm. Allison and I would, and they. What she didn't mention is that a very generous contributor has announced that uh, this uh, this person has announced that they will match dollar for dollar contributions made to Echo Hill up to twenty thousand dollars. What that means is if you give a dollar. Uh, it'll really be two dollars. Uh, if you give a hundred dollars, it's really two hundred dollars. A thousand dollars will become two thousand, etc. Uh, so uh, that's a real way to to make your donation count. And of course, it was mentioned it's a five hundred one c three organization, which means it's tax deductible. And uh, but you got to get it done by the end of the year, which is midnight tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So go to echohill.org or uh, um, and uh, find out how to contribute. And you can. It's pretty easy, I think. On the website. Okay. Okay. We talked about, uh, oh, we're, we've talked about a lot today. We've got, oh, we've got well, a lot okay, coming I have up. One thing what we talked about. Okay. Uh, the Pope now says priests can bless same-sex couples. Yeah, I heard about it's that. It's a major shift for the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. Uh, the Vatican handed down new rules uh, just recently, allowing priests to give blessings to same-sex couples, but stressed that this blessing could not resemble a wedding. Mm. Although the church did did not change its position on gay marriage, the new guidelines do effectively overturn a 2021 decision that prohibited any blessings for gay, gay couples. Mm. Yes, yeah. it's, it's just the, one of the latest signs of Pope Francis softening the church's stance toward LGBTQ people, mm-hmm. which has drawn, drawn backlash from the more conservative clergy. Yeah, it, it certainly has. And, uh, you know, a lot of churches are going that way, and there's the more conservative people are uh, objecting to it. And, uh, of course, the big split in the Methodist church, uh, which uh, uh, the uh, opportunity for churches to leave, they have some sort of a deadline, and it's coming up in the next few days, I believe. I read that recently. don't know much about that, but that's what I read. So that's Well, a lot of churches are just political. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I learned when I was a kid. I, I was in high school. And my family belonged to the um, Presbyterian Church, 
um, the mainline Presbyterian Church. Well, it, which actually that yours was the Southern Presbyterian Church, and it's mm-hmm. no longer in existence. Mm-hmm. That that denomination, mm-hmm. it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Was it Northern? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, it was United Presbyterian. Oh, the United Presbyterian. Oh, yeah. They they merged eventually with the PCUSA. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, they were becoming very liberal. Um, they were supporting um, communist communist activity. Oh yeah, they were sending money to communist groups in in uh, particularly in Africa. Yeah, and and uh, and I said to my parents, "Well, why doesn't our and, and and my parents said, "Well, our church, the members of our church, don't believe in that." And I said, "Well, why don't we just uh, pull out?" And um, my parents said, "Well, we can't because." Um, because the uh, the I guess I'm not sure if it's the presbytery or if it's the home church home office uh, owns the building, so we wouldn't have a have a church building. So mm-hmm. so that's why that's why we can't leave. That is very common in the large denominations. But that, but but the know. money for that church building came from the congregation. That's where the money came from. It wasn't handed down from on high. Hmm. Um, it was it was raised by the by the people. Hmm. But but they didn't own it. Well, that's how they they lord it over. No pun so intended. Yeah, no pun intended. Yeah, e- uh, even as a kid, I thought that was an outrage yeah, to keep to keep the churches in. Because a, a lot of the congregations would uh, would split away. The more conservatives on, and they have, but uh, they're going to lose their property. They're going to lose their church building. They're going to. What happens to the and the the pastor has to think. Well, what's what's going to happen to my uh, pension? Pension, exactly. Yeah, he's going to exactly. lose that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Those are those are considerations. Well, uh, when we come back on the Bill and Allison show, we've got uh, another birthday to celebrate. Somebody, uh, a reasonably famous American musician. I think you'll uh, you'll enjoy uh, hearing about uh, what he has to. Uh, I'm not what he has to say. What he has? How about what he has to sing? Put it that way. <laughs> so we'll be back in just a moment. Uh, well, I come from down around Tennessee, but the people. In California, are nice to me, American It don't matter where I may roam, tell you people that it's home, sweet home, America, America. Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison Mencaro, Hill Country Patriot. Which is your information station for Kerrville, Fredericksburg, Comfort, Bandera, Hunt, Ingram, Johnson City, Mountain Home, Center Point, and... Points in in between. Environs. Exactly (laughs) right. Environs. Well, I promised you uh, we'd celebrate another birthday. We... uh, in the first hour, we celebrated uh, Clyde McCoy's, and uh, here's another musician. He was born December 30, uh, and 1934. His name is Del Shannon. You may or may not remember Del Shannon, but uh, I think you're going to remember uh, one of his songs, at least. Uh, it's uh, He was a singer and a songwriter, and uh, he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and the supergroup The Traveling Wilburys, who were Bob Dylan, George Harrison, Jeff Lynn of ELO, Roy Orbison, and Tom Petty covered Del Shannon's uh, probably his biggest hit, 
Runaway. Um, here is uh, here's Del Shannon's Runaway. Del Shannon is his name, uh, and that's one of his biggest hits, Runaway. And uh, that uh, is the theme music used by a TV program that I absolutely love. And Allison, oh, you, that's right. Yeah, you, you, you love, love it, it too, don't you? Crime Story. Crime Story, uh, which you may or may not be familiar with, but it's a great, great uh show it's not currently on unfortunately it's, it's but it's, it's around in reruns it's around in reruns it's around in uh, it's of course available on uh, streaming dvds uh starring dennis farina um and uh who was very interesting story about crime story by the way the uh, tv series uh there's a uh, one of the people uh in the cast was john santucci well john santucci uh he plays a uh not a real bright thug. Uh, he's second banana to Tony Dennison's uh, very well-done character. But uh, anyway, um, John Dennis Farina used to be a Chicago police officer before he became an actor. And Dennis Farina is a star of this program, Crime Story. Well, <laughs> John Santucci was a criminal before he became an actor. He was hired by the, uh, um, let's say, the, the creator uh, of uh, Crime Story uh, to uh, uh, Michael Mann to act on the show. And part of the reason he was a consultant to, so he would make it more realistic. He knew exactly how, he was a burglar, he knew exactly how criminals worked. And so they used that information in the show. Well, Dennis Farina had been a Chicago police officer, and John Santucci, who was the burglar that they hired to, to play uh, Pauly Taglia, Dennis Farina had actually arrested uh, Santucci when he worked in Chicago as a cop. <laughs> so they bring realism, realism to the, to the mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, really good. Uh, so again, it's called Crime Story, and that was the theme that they picked out uh, for it. Uh, Stephen Lang is also a t- tremendous actor, and uh, he's in, in it. So I highly recommend, Alice and I both would highly recommend Crime Story, wouldn't you? We, we would. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, we've got uh, a rather interesting story, and this is a good news, another piece of good news on the Bill and Allison show. Uh, and it's all about lab-grown meat. No, we're not going to eat the bugs. No, I will not eat the bugs. Oh, no, but somebody's trying to make us eat lab-grown meat. Yeah, I know. Which is probably even worse than bugs. Yeah, it's for like, you. Yeah, at least bugs are natural and organic, aren't they? <laughs> but uh, lab-grown meat, which is not made by chefs, it's made by engineers and factory Fa- workers. workers yeah. Factory workers. Well, Italy has officially banned lab-grown meat, and uh, they were protecting the nation, their nation's farmers. Uh, the Italian Parliament voted to prohibit the sale of lab-grown meat for food or animal feed. Um, it also prohibits plant-based protein substitutes from using meat-related terms on their packaging or marketing, so they outlawed the use of phrases like veggie hamburger or soy meatballs uh, because they don't have any burger or meat in them. Uh, the, the agriculture minister of Italy said, we are, quote, safeguarding our food, our system of nutrition, by maintaining the relationship between food and land, and human labor that we've enjoyed for millennia. We have to protect our workers, our agricultural entrepreneurs, and citizens who have the right to eat well. And, of course, the movement against meat, if you're not aware, it's become a cause among globalist elites, including the World Economic Forum. Uh, they, They have advocated for the widespread adoption of climate-beneficial foods such as algae, cacti, seaweed, bugs, um, bug protein sources. They say that uh, adopting the eating of insects would be more sustainable than meat. Uh, at uh, There's a, a recent uh, World Economic Forum summit. Uh, of course, they always have it in Davos, the Swiss ski resort, where you know, I'm sure that they serve bugs uh, at their at their banquets, don't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, Siemens, uh, the company Siemens, the chairman of Siemens, Jim Snabe, called for a dramatic global reduction in meat consumption to combat the so-called climate impact. So that's Siemens. Uh, let's see, you know where they're coming from. All this woke stuff, though, it's they're paid off. Uh, and these companies, you wonder why? Why would they do all this crazy stuff? Because they're paid off. Uh, by the Soros's of the world, uh, and uh, the, uh, the 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 end product, the end uh, goal is to uh, reduce the population. They want—I uh, don't remember the figure that they're pushing for—it was something like 500 million. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. But they want to uh, kill off as many people as possible because, as Proverbs says, uh, "Those who hate me love death," and they love death, whether it's through abortion or uh, this trans stuff, um, you know, pushing the the. Uh, this, this trans stuff. I mean, that's you know, these kids that get mutilated as as children are never going to be able to have babies, and uh, so that's more of the culture of death. Um, it's uh, euthanasia. I mean, it's it's all around death. Though all those who hate me love death, according to the Bible, and uh, that's uh, you can see that more and more and more. Well, on New Year's Eve. Marilyn stood up in the local pub and said it was time to get ready. At the stroke of midnight, she wanted every husband to be standing next to the one person who made his life worth living. Well, it was kind of embarrassing. As the clock struck, the bartender was almost crushed to death. 
Oh, <laughs> I hadn't heard that one. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, let's uh, let's go with nine up, Allison. Can we do that? Uh, sure. When socialism arrives, you're going to want to be ready to look at the glass as half full, even if the glass is empty, or even if there is no glass, because you're starving to death. Here are nine upsides to socialism you might not have considered. Number one, you can finally meet your weight loss goal. If these current trends hold, you'll be down to a slim, girlish 75 pounds by the end of the month. Number two, your wife will be limited to only a couple of decorative pillows. Save the leather couch cushions to boil into this year's neighborhood stone soup festival. Mmm. <laughs> Number three, kids aren't nearly as noisy when they're dehydrated. For big families living under socialism, silver linings abound. Number four, everyone is happy. Cause if you're not, straight to the gulag you go. I'm happy, I swear. Number five, you'll meet all kinds of nice people while standing in the bread line. Broaden your horizons. Or should we say, bread in your horizons. <laughs> eh? Eh? I thought it was funny. Oh, here's a fun one. Number six, no election fraud. It's easier when there are no elections. It's great. And number seven, no long lines at Starbucks. It's easier when there's no Starbucks. So much easier. Oh yeah, number eight, no more negative news about your government, because if you publish it, straight to the gulag. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> and finally, number nine, you'll never feel lonely again, because Big Brother will always be with you. It's all about perspective. Just remember to look on the bright side of socialism. Or else, straight to the gulag you go. I'm happy. I swear. <laughs> That's Babylon B, folks, for you. Can You're we, not from, um, familiar with Babylon B. B-A-B-Y-L-O-N-B-E-E dot com. Okay, one last time. Oh, oh. this year. Bye-bye, yeah, Maria. Ma Mariah. Mariah, that's your last last on the Bill and Allison show for a year. Welcome back to this, our last show of the year. How about that? Hard to believe. Yeah, it really is. 2020, you know, it reminds me of when I took my dad out for his 80th birthday. And uh, I was 40. And he, uh, my mom had passed earlier that year, actually. And uh, well, we were out to dinner in Alexandria, Virginia, where, where we lived. And uh, 
I said to him at one point during dinner, I said, isn't it amazing how time goes so fast? And he just looked at me and he said, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) He was right. (laughs) As you get older, it just goes faster. Well, you have a theory about that. And uh, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but it's it's my theory. Uh, Just like somebody wants, uh, I, I express an opinion once, somebody says, well, that's your opinion. I said, yeah, that's the only one I'm qualified to give. Uh, but the, I have a theory about why time seems to go faster as you get older. Uh, when you're, let's say, 10 years old, okay, a year is one-tenth of your life. But when you're, you know, I haven't figured this mathematically, but as you get older, you know, a year is not a tenth of your life. It's a 20th and a 30th of your life or whatever, you know, it's a shorter percentage of your life. And that's why it seems to go faster. Anyway, that's that's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. And uh, uh, there was a line from Buffalo Bill, the, the show, uh, Buffalo Bill, uh, with Dabney Coleman, great actor, by the way. Who, who I met. You spent a, quite a bit of time with Dabney Coleman did, once, didn't I did. you? I told him what, I, what a fan I was of the TV show. Yeah, yeah. We uh, and he's from Austin. He is. Yeah, he grew up in he grew up in Corpus, uh, and, and he but uh, he was also from Austin and went to UT, and uh, of course he's the uh, the male star of Nine to Five, the great movie Nine to Five with Jane Fonda and uh, Lily Tomlin and others that I don't come to mind. But uh, yeah, he was uh, uh, that was oh anyway in Buffalo Bill, which was a really wonderful comedy that uh, unfortunately was very short lived. Um, but he he was the star of it, and uh, at one point he's talking to his girlfriend, and he's a real cad. Uh, his character is a real cad in this in this whole series, and she finally gets fed up with him and says, "Look, I can't just you know I can't handle you anymore. You just you know you lie, you cheat, you you know all this." And he says, uh, "He says, well, baby, he said, ah, I'm really re- I'm I'm reforming. I'm not going to do any of that stuff anymore." And uh, she said, "Bill, you told me that three months ago." And he says, yeah, but that's like two two years in dog years. <laughs> Great line. Uh, what you got, Allison? Well, a post on Reddit asked its followers, what is the worst tourist trap in all Texas? Worst tourist trap in all Texas? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Boy, that's, uh, there are some competitors for that title, <laughs> I'll tell you. What, what, uh, what was the result? Well, some said the State Fair of Texas. Some, some, really? Some said the Marfa Lights. What? The, tourist? Well, first pe- of all, pe- you don't pay anything. A tourist trap is where you pay something. Right, no. Marfa Lights are free. Right. Um, and the person said, the Marfa Lights are fun to look at if you're going through, but don't make it a destination. And oh. Many agreed. Really? Uh-huh. I have made it a destination. No, no, we, we, we have made it a destination. We, we, we enjoy the Marfa Lights. Yeah. Uh, I counted once with you, and then I've been without you several times. Uh, Thirteen times I've been mm-hmm. uh, in Marfa, mm-hmm. and I've seen the lights every single time. Some mm-hmm. people say they've gone many times and never seen them, which I don't quite understand. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, and uh, d- Well, maybe a lot of people don't know what the Marfa Lights are also. No, nobody knows what the Marfa well, lights are. <laughs> well, that's true, too. That's what makes them so mysterious. That's the point. Well, do you want to explain for those who may not be familiar with what the Marfa lights are? Well, they're, they're lights that come out uh, over the um, the desert, Chinati Mountains. Oh, that's better. 
um, and they they come out in the dark, obviously, <laughs> and they they bounce around, and they change colors, and they they, they merge, mm-hmm. they and merge. then they they blink on and blink off, mm-hmm. or they sometimes they'll go straight up in the air, just mm-hmm. up in the air, and then disappear, and and every time we we have seen them, uh, they come out. And they do their little show, and then they stop, and then they're they, yeah. They stop about midnight, as I recall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you you can stay there, um, you know, for quite a while afterwards, and they they do not come back, and and the the you know the scoffers say, oh, that's just headlights. Well, that theory doesn't hold up because the Indians saw them back in the eighteen hundreds before there were cars. Indians on had that. cars. <laughs> About, I didn't know that. About that. How about that? I didn't know that. That reminds me of the stone ball that we found in our field. Mm-hmm. And it was obviously carved. It wasn't, it's not a natural phenomenon. It's a perfectly round stone ball. And uh, my theory is that uh, it's an Indian artifact and it's a, it's a cannonball from the Indians. See, people didn't know they, they had cannons. But that's my theory and I'm sticking to it. Well, okay, let, let me continue with... with <laughs> really? R- you want to continue? Reddit posters. Oh, yeah. Had to say about the biggest disappointments in, in tourist traps okay. in Texas. Um, the uh, the concept of Bucky's was hailed for the squeaky clean restrooms and the variety of snacks, but the parking was a deal breaker for most. The parking lot feels like a demolition derby, one wrote. Just wait until they get charging stations for electric vehicles. Hmm. R- another one wrote... I've never understood the way people literally worship a truck stop. Not to be excluded, the Big Texan, home of the 72-ounce steak. And that's Amarillo. Uh-huh. A participant in the, in the string of comments on it called it weird and generally gross. And the Big Texan is known, as you can see billboards for miles before you get to it. Uh, they're known for their 72-ounce steak, which is free. If you can eat it and all the sides, plus shrimp cocktail in one hour. And they po- we, we have been there. Um, they have posted the, the list of the winners. And uh, it includes boys who are as, as young as nine the last time we were there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it is a, you know, it's a very touristy, touristy, trappy kind of a place. But uh, it's, a, yeah, if you're in Amarillo, it's fun to. Mm-hmm. to go to it's not a great restaurant by any means but uh it's that's that's their gimmick the 72 ounce steak and you get it free if you can eat the entire thing and what is that how many pounds is that but four or five pounds isn't it? i'd have to get my calc- calculator yeah. out about five yeah. could be six okay uh, it might be six. Oh no i'm, I'm, I'm not sure it might be 20 i don't know <laughs> <laughs> okay another is the uh, alamo uh, what the, the Alamo was certainly it's less impressive set. than I thought it would be. Well, everybody thinks it's kind huge. Of, it's I small. Know, kind of smallish yeah. and tucked into downtowns. Yeah, that's a, true. a downtown square with Ripley's. Believe it or not. Yeah, they're going to change all that though. They're getting rid of all that uh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, another one said no parking, tons of people. Yeah. Be, being able to look up and see a skyscraper pretty much kills the feeling of the place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is almost New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve is coming up. Just to put you in the mood. 
Guy Lombardo Orchestra and the famous Old Lang Syne. And this will close out the 2023 edition of the Bill and Allison Mencaro Show here on the Hill Country Patriot, your information station. And it's been a joy to have been with you this past year. Has it not, Allison? It certainly has, and we look forward to next year. We certainly do. We've got a lot to cover next year, and uh, but most of all, may the Lord be with you uh, in this coming year bring you happiness and joy and uh, increase your faith and protect you and uh, be with you and your family. Enjoy 2024.